Welcome to the Rain in Threes podcast with Alan Ray and Mike O'Connell. Hello and welcome to the 21st installment of the Rain in Threes podcast. I am your host, Mike O'Connell, joined by Villanova basketball legend, Alan Ray. Hey, Ray and I have yet another special guest tonight. This one being pretty close to the program, the senior writer from The Athletic and author of the Big East inside the most entertaining and influential league in college basketball history, Dana O'Neill. Dana, we appreciate your time tonight and uh, a lot to get to regarding this Villanova team in the Big East overall. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in uh, in the league and in Villanova and college basketball, and it's not been a slow, quiet start, that's for sure. Yes, definitely. And I want to take the time out to say that this is our first female guest wow. on the show. So I'm definitely happy about that and just wanted to say thank you for coming on, Dana. And it's always great to see you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm honored since, you know, 110 years ago, I covered Alan when he was playing. So, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it really does, though. It really it really feels like that long ago. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I, I, I just remember being in the um, press conferences after the game. And uh, you was always there, asking questions, following us around with the team. I, I, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> too many, too many memories. It wasn't yeah. that. It wasn't five minutes ago. That's the scary part. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. Like it was just, it just seemed like yesterday, but it's so long ago. And like so right. much, so much has changed. Home, so much has changed in that time. And um, I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel about? You know, being a female in this industry, you know, I've heard a lot, a lot of things about, you know, when it comes to females and in the sports industry and things like that. And I know you recently seen with like Malika Andrews and that stupid message that Des Bryant had put out. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of women get like slack like that. That's just undeserving. So I just wanted to know, like, how, how, how has it been for you in this in this industry, in this field? Yeah, it's like, so, I mean, as you know, I've been doing this a long time, and um, part of it, I guess, maybe by now I'm immune to it. Maybe that's not a healthy place to operate from, but it seems to be the same place to work from sometimes. I've always tell tell people when I go to colleges and stuff, like, you have to have a super thick skin as a woman in this business because people say stuff all the time um, and imply stuff, and, and so you really have to know how to deal with it and not, if, you, if I spent my day getting offended by everything, I would never get any work done. Um, but social media, I think has ratcheted it up for, for all of us. I mean, yeah. you know, back when I was covering you guys, I didn't have Twitter or any of that. And people were saying nasty things about me. I had, I mean, honestly, I really didn't know. It was kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, now they tell you directly how they feel and what they think of you. So I mean, I'm not proud of it, but the truth is I have muted or blocked more people on Twitter than I follow. Um, and that is not an exaggeration because they're just, I used to not do that because I didn't want to give people like the satisfaction of that. But then yeah. I was like, why am I letting these people in my life? Like, I'm just, I don't need to hear this nonsense. So yeah, it's, it's constant. Um, but you know what? Like, I think it's mostly not entirely, but it's largely fans and people like once I get down to the nitty gritty of dealing with coaches and athletes, you guys are pretty good. Like yeah. that's never, that's rarely a problem. So that's the good news. So that's why I don't get too caught up in it because I'm like, I guys, you know, that's sitting home bored is nasty to me. I, I don't even know who he is. So I'll just mute him. Yeah. 
And that's uh, one thing, too, like, I've been having to, to deal with a little bit lately. Like, I'm the same way. I don't really do want to block people and stuff like that. But it's just, like, sometimes you just don't want to deal with that kind of energy. And you just just want to dismiss of it. So I, I definitely I definitely understand what you're saying and uh, and where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, you you know, because now you're out there, right? Like, you're yeah. your opinions more on social media than you used to. And so I guess it's like a give and take, right? If you're going to put your opinions out there, someone's going to come back at you with theirs. I don't mind people disagreeing with me. That, that's perfectly fine. Like, everyone's all right. It's when you get kind of personal and nasty that I'm just kind of like, there. there's just no need for that. I mean, you know, it's like my favorite people who used to say when I covered the Eagles, like, oh, you can't cover football. You've never played. I was like, well, people cover the White House and they never have been president. So I think I can handle football. Not that that's, a, that's a great point right there. I'm definitely right? going to. I'm definitely going to use that word. Not that hard. Like, I mean, I'm not covering like NATO. I'm covering a board. Like, yeah, yeah. I just so I just kind of learned to laugh at some of it and ignore the nasty ones. But um, I do feel for like young women, like you know, you talk about Malika and young women, especially on television. It's even harder. I think like I can hide a little bit. People don't necessarily know who I am at that much. Um, But TV man, that takes it to a whole nother level. It does. Yeah, just being uh, like a journalism uh, student at Villanova, I uh, had a, a couple classes under Keith Jones, who works at NBC Philadelphia, and he brought on just uh, a ton of female uh, co-workers from him over his yeah. career, and and they talked to a lot of our like you know my female uh, you know fellow students that didn't really you know I couldn't really understand like the the total mindset of, of like what TV does and how horrible people truly can be. But I thought he did an awesome job at, at bringing in real people that were like, yes, this is what happens. This is what you're going to get into. Unfortunately, there are some some trade-offs you have to make because yeah. it, as unfortunate it is, and I'm sure as you know better than most, people kind of suck, right? So <laughs> it, 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 just point, plain and simple, right? Um, but I just uh, wanted to give a, a shout-out to, to Professor Professor yeah. Keith Jones and and what he he's doing at Villanova as an adjunct professor. I think he's really showing – you know, both sides of it. Like he, he's teaching you how to how to handle yourself uh, with respect and with profession professionalism. But at the same time, he, he kind of you know you get a peek behind the curtain a little bit at some of the the nasty stuff that people in in your shoes do have to deal with. So just wanted to give uh, a little shout out there. Yeah, and I think it's really cool that he did that because I will tell you, like, as much as you know, women have to deal with this. Our allies are you guys, right? The men in the industry, my friends who are men in this industry are, are my allies and they're my supporters and. For them to have my back and to like, you know, I don't mean they had to go out and like defend me on Twitter, but just to pull me aside and like, do not let it get to you. Like to like, you know, and when that helped. So I think that's really important that he did that because um, why would you guys be aware of it? You don't think of it, right? It's not necessarily, not that you don't get hate because you do, everybody does, but it's a different kind, right? And I think it's really cool that he brought that in because it's super important that you know, there's a, an organization called the Association for Women in Sports Media, and they allow male members because we're supposed to be doing this together. So I think that's really, I, I give him credit for doing that because I think it's really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get him as a guest on the yeah. show too, because he, he was actually a, um, a a basketball team manager when he was, when when Alan was at school and he, when he was at school as well. So <laughs> he was, it's he just, was. just funny. It is just funny how how life works, and end up being one of my favorite professors while I was at Villanova as well. Um, but you you bring up a great point when it comes to just the pressures of, of what social media 
has brought on. And that, 20 years ago, that didn't exist. Twitter, Instagram, you know, you name it, it. It's all over everyone's mind. Everyone's on their phone constantly tweeting out their opinion, whether there's any any validity to it whatsoever. 99.9% uh, .9 of the time, there's not, especially when people are, are bringing up hateful comments, things of that nature. And this basketball team, I remember we, we had discussed it, Alan and I. Alan was saying, I, I'm so happy I don't have to play on this team right now. The amount of pressure that these guys have to deal with every single night they're on the court. And even when they're not playing, when they have a, a night off, maybe they're trying to hang out with the roommates or, or, or you know, or even the coaching staff. It's just an unbelievable amount of, of pressure that comes from the social media aspect of things that is really focused on the program. So post Jay Wright, everyone loved Coach Wright. He was a, a legend among legends, and especially around the mainline area and at Villanova. But can, can you kind of give us maybe a little bit of a peek behind the curtain what what the social media pressure does to a program like Villanova that really is just a, a small Catholic university outside of Philadelphia, right? No, not anymore. They're under the national microscope constantly. And just tell us a little bit about how you've seen that affect uh, the program. Yeah, I mean, and the, the the microscope was always there. Like, Alan remembers this. Like, you know, Jake comes in his first year and he recruits Alan, Jason, Randy, and Curtis. And they go to the NIT a bunch of years. Don't make the NCAA tournament. And... You know, I remember people coming up to me at games saying, oh, he's an empty suit. We got to get him fired. And they met Jay and they were serious. Um, so like that stuff always existed. It just wasn't in front of you. Like, you know, you might have understood that it was out there, like that people were saying nasty things, like kind of right wherever they were saying it, but you didn't read it. You didn't hear it. You didn't see it. I think that's the biggest difference. I think the pressure, you know, obviously you win two national championships you go to four final fours, things change, right? I mean, the expectations just become insane. I mean, nobody in college, there's no John Wooden era anymore. That's not how college basketball works. Like nobody's going to go to 11 final fours. It's just not going to happen, but that doesn't matter. People who have tasted final fours think that they get to go every year and you just get it go and like a gravy train. This is super easy. Oh, we got good players. We'll just keep getting them no matter, you know, you can, plug in the widget doesn't matter who the coach is and that's just gonna happen that's insane um so yeah i mean the social media presence just i think brings every all the nasty out and i think the hardest part is and i i go through this myself so i can imagine and you know alan could probably speak this better than i but as an athlete i think sometimes and like i said i go through this myself you have to kind of step back because when you're on like your mentions or whatever, it feels like everyone is yelling at you because that's what you're seeing, right? Yeah. The fact of the matter is it's probably 20 people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you have to sometimes remove yourself and say, all right, how many people are actually really yelling at me? Like I find it very um, helpful when someone's nasty me on Twitter, like to click how many followers they have. And it's like one. So it's like just some dude screaming at me by himself. Like, am I really going to lose sleep over that? So I'm sure with athletes, you got to try to do that too, but it's really hard. And look, I mean, there's nobody wearing a Villanova uniform right now who's happy with their record. They don't need to be told that they're not living up to the quote standard. They know that. Um, but I think, like I said, I think the difference is I think that pressure was always there. It's just that maybe you can go back to your dorm and just shut it out for a little while. Now you go back to your dorm and you actually magnify it. I think that's yeah. the big difference. Yeah, um, and I, I definitely agree with you also. You know, but back when I was playing, I would come home and, 
if if I had a bad game or anything, like I would watch ESPN and like my highlights wouldn't be on there. So right. like that that was pretty much the worst. Yeah. And it was no like Facebook had came around, but it wasn't like how it is today. And uh yeah, that's that's right. I was around for the beginning of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I was around for the beginning of Facebook. Dude, don't like, even get me started. <laughs> but it just it just wasn't like that. You really didn't see the comments and everything like that. So right. Like just coming back and, and watching like ESPN or something and not seeing you on the highlights, like it kind of gets you a little upset. Like, all right, I had a bad game, but it kind of motivates you. But I, I just couldn't imagine like having Twitter and Instagram and like you just going on there and like you just can't avoid some of that stuff. Like you could be scrolling and like your name can pop up on a page that you don't even follow. Yep. And you got to see all of this stuff. And then you get into the comments and you start looking like it could be a, a, a black hole at some time. So I do uh, I do want to say that I, I do give it to to the players now who like can block that stuff out. Yeah. I, and I think like everyone likes to say that I don't pay attention to it, but we're all human. Right. Like you can't help but look. It's kind of like, you know, you rubberneck a car accident. You don't need to look when you drive by, but you can't stop yourself like. We all, if you have social media, as much as you might know in your head, I really don't want to read this right now. I don't know. It's just almost like it, you can't help yourself. And I will say, like, I've heard stories of some people really crossing the line. Like, it's not just being like, you suck or you should have made that basket. It gets really, really nasty. And those people, I think that needs to be stopped. And like, I have personally, like, taken things like where it's gotten over the line and they're gone to like my company security or gone to Twitter or whatever. Like, but I, this person can't be on. But so that's just, and that's just me, like some stupid little sports writer, right? It's not some national black basketball player who has a major platform with major expectations with, and, you know, like, you know, NIL, everything going on right now, as great as it is for college athletes, only ratchets the pressure. Like if you're making X dollar, you should be performing the X standard, whatever that is. Um, so you, t you know, you put that on top of the load of expectations that, that what Jay built at Villanova is and there's a lot there's a lot out there for kids to deal with and i say kids because they still are kids they're 18 to 22 years old that's young yeah, yeah. And, and since she's talking about nil we talking about dollars um we just in a wild time right now with with, with college basketball and in in college athletics i feel like me personally like it's put added pressure on these players along with social media especially guys that's getting paid x amount of dollars to perform and if they're not performing i could imagine how they feel but at the end of the day like you want to be a professional a lot of these guys too like this comes with it and yep. it's it's like college is really becoming like a semi-pro if not already professional league so i, I think moving forward there's still going to be a lot a lot more changes i think it's still like new with everything that's going on and i won't be happy until like ex players like myself can benefit off nil that's that's all i gotta say <laughs> yeah do you think about it like i actually remember talking to chris jenkins like think about how much money chris jenkins could have made in 2016 if nil was around or oh, ryan or to the for that goodness. matter right yeah. i mean one dude makes a pass one guy makes a shot come on i mean think think about how much money all of you guys could have made right it's crazy but 
like what needs to happen? I think a lot, a lot needs to happen with NIL. But one of the most important things I think they need to do is get it on the up and up. Because I'm not sure, like we all hear these numbers that are thrown around, right? Like yeah. got X from school Y. I don't know how true it is because most of those numbers are being flirted by the agent and then the school. And the purpose is to allure more, like I'm your agent. I got player X this much and I'm school Y. Don't you want to come here? I think we need to be honest with it so we know what's legitimately being paid what do these contracts look like? Because I do worry that kids are getting taken advantage of and signing like some life rights that they don't even know what the heck they're giving away. Um, you know, and I, I think, and I also believe that we are like in the wild, wild west early stages and in like five years, I think it will calm down because business people are business people, smart business people are smart business people for a reason. They don't invest in bad investments. So like, say they gave you out like $400,000 as a freshman and you stunk. They're not going to give it to you as a sophomore. So eventually it's going to like filter down where the best players get a lot of money and everybody else gets a little money because they're not, it, it's just capitalism. Like the best players will make more money because that's the way the world works. And I think we'll get there eventually. We're just not there yet. But it certainly does add attention, pressure, expectation, all of that, you know, especially with the portal and everything else. Like we treat you, we added you in from, you know, Lanceware and all these for guys that they got to build another now come with a dollar figure attached to their head whether it's accurate or not i got you hey oc i got i got one more question i just want to ask all right go ahead man so also this is another thought that's just been going in my mind since we're on the topic with like nil transfers all of this stuff so i've been feeling like this and just watching villanova play this season like, this has kind of been brought up to me. I haven't really said anything about it on, on Twitter. I've just been talking to a couple people about it. It's, it. it's very obvious, but to me, I think not everybody takes this into consideration. So I'm, I'm going to start with, like, Hakeem Hart on our team. I feel like, like, Hakeem Hart didn't get the fastest start as everybody, didn't get as much minutes as everybody. But if you look at him now, and over the last few games, like his body of work that he's been putting in, it's been very good, you know, yep. and, and even in the losses. And I want to say against UCLA, I feel like he played a very big part in helping us win that game. And he come from the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. And and it's not a knock to to Bamba or it's not a knock to, to Burton, you know. They yep. just didn't come from that type of conference. So... When I look at Hakeem Hart, when I'm watching him play, I can kind of see a little bit of, like, his comfort level playing against, like, these bigger teams. Mm -hmm. He's been there before. Kind of, that's what it kind of looks like a little bit. And like I said, not to knock Burton and not to knock Bamba, but, you know, those guys aren't used to playing these type of high-level teams mm -hmm. um, night in and night out. So I just wanted to know, like, do you think that that plays a role as well with transfers coming in? Um, playing at a at a at a, a power five conference as opposed to playing at a, a Richmond or yeah. a West Coast conference. Yeah, I I definitely think it, I think there's so much involved with the portal and transferring in general. Like, first of all, team chemistry, and I don't just mean like understanding the offensive flow, but like understanding how your teammate is going to react in a particular situation on the court when you're just getting to know somebody. You don't know. You don't have that comfort level that's been built over a couple of years of familiarity. So you have that. But and then you have, yeah, you have guys coming in from all different levels, all different styles of basketball, mm -hmm. right? 
like Tyler Burton's coming from Richmond and nothing against the A-10. It's, it's not a bad league, but it's, it's the um, level of pressure, the level of expectation, the level of great basketball for 40 minutes. is not this, it's just not the same as it is in the big East. Right. You know, um, TJ Bobber coming from, you know, Washington state. I mean, you know, Pac-12, not bad, but his program was not, expected to do anything right so tj bomba goes out and has an average night on a crappy team everyone's cool with it right here you have an average night and you're at villanova it's a totally different ball game and but you know you're right like hakeem hart comes from the big 10 where the attention is pretty much the same so i think everybody's got to work through all of that um and then you mix in of course like eric nixon and justin Moore, guys who've been around with the expectations of villanova and, you know, and Jordan Longino is trying to get healthy enough to actually be on the court for like some sustained period of time. You got a lot of stuff going on. And honestly, like, I think when I look around college basketball, like, you know, Chicago just beat Northwestern, right? Um, just crazy upsets. Creighton got blown out by UNLV. I think the portal has a lot to do with this. Why we're seeing maybe by January or February, the kinks will have been worked worked out but ordinarily by december teams have a better handle on themselves i don't think they do because of the portal i just don't think they know each other like like you guys did um so yeah i think that's definitely i think you're 100 percent right on that and i think as they kind of get familiar with stuff it'll get better no I, that was a, a perfect segue into my next question just talking about the I got you, in general yeah yeah wow it's just incredible uh, by the way you guys sounded like mick prone a little bit ripping on tyler burton coming from richmond oh. <laughs> he didn't no, that, so, but, but see no like, i i know it was burton, taking on it had a double, double. I, I, I love burton game i love i love his game but i could just i mean this is just my observation and just my thought like i have nothing against him i just i just see it it's just not as consistent as everybody wanted wanted to be but let's see how it plays out the rest of this month in January, you know. Yeah. Long season. Long. Too early, exactly. Yep. And and just like yeah, so non conference not all the way over for Villanova, it is for a couple of their big East teams, it is as well. But just listen to some of these losses. You mentioned Creighton losing to Yellow Villanova has a cat a couple tough losses in the you know, Q three, Q four type of environment with Penn and Drexel. Xavier, they lost to Oakland, to Delaware. Georgetown lost to Holy Cross. Don't even get me going on DePaul. I don't even know if that we can count that. But St. John's lost to Boston College. Like, I, I think you perfectly presented, like, okay, look, a lot of these teams are dealing with transfers coming in. They're starting to mesh, whatever. It takes time. It's not just going to happen overnight. And I don't care how many times you practice over the summer, real game times, real game experience with each other, with your teammates matters. So where do you view the Big East in all of this, like I know everyone's thinking, like, oh man, they've they've really underperformed. We take it as, as a as a couple other uh, conferences really have, like the Big Ten, the Pac-12 has too. Aside, you know, save a couple teams here and there, like Arizona from the Pac-12. But right, you look at UConn, Marquette. Right, those guys are the upper echelon of the Big East, and everybody else has some blemishes on their resume. Do you, do you see it being like, wow, now there's now the Big East is just gonna beat up on each other, or do you think it's gonna make everybody better? And, you know, you're going to still see possibly seven teams sneak into the big dance. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the first thing you just say is, like, the two teams that you didn't mention having crappy losses are Marquette and UConn. And that's for a reason. Their rosters are pretty much homegrown and stable. I mean, think about it. It is not accidental that the two teams that are performing the best in the Big East 
are the ones with known parts. I mean, it's so obvious, right? Like That's they got no all the guys again, back and they're, they're rolling. You know, Creighton lost a bunch of guys in the portal. They had to replace them. Rick Pitino essentially wrote, ran everybody out and brought a bunch of guys in. You know, they were starting over at Georgetown. Kim English has some stability, but not entirely at Providence. Villanova has its quirks. Um, we, like you said, DePaul's not worth mentioning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, and they're not, it's going to be so hard, I think, this year for the committee to separate apples and oranges because so many leagues are like that. Like, the Big Ten is exactly the same like nobody looks very good in the big 10 right now nobody except maybe purdue right i mean northwestern goes and loses to chicago state what ohio state blows an 18 point lead but penn state in the second half michigan state is a raging dumpster fire right now um so a lot of teams are going to be like the big east where you're going to get into the league and they're going to beat each other up i think the difference is like because Big East does have two considerably elite teams in Marquette and UConn. Those offer opportunities to not only get both, you know, big wins, close losses, whatever you want to say. Um, it elevates everybody else's play. So, you know, I think honestly, like I know the committee always has to weigh non-conference records in the NCAA tournament selection process, but I, I wonder how much weight they're going to actually be able to put into them this year across the country because I just think everyone looks messy. Um, I still contend that the Big East is pretty good. And at the end of the day, it will shake out. Like, you know, Xavier's a mess, but they're they're missing two of their best players. Like, you know, Fremantle and Hire are still out. So I, I don't even know how you judge who, who they are, right? I don't think anyone expected Georgetown to be good. And look, we all put all of our money behind Rick Pitino because it seemed like a really good idea, but it probably was unfair. Yeah. He's got like 10 new dudes and he's not a magician. You know, so they're going to have to have some bumps and they're having some bumps. Um, so, yeah, I don't think like, look, I think that I looked at um, Ken Palm the other day. I mean, like the, the top three conferences, the Big East, the SEC and the Big, or no, I'm sorry, the Big 12, the SEC and the Big 10. And I was like, really? Like, I agree with the Big 12, but I, I think after you get past the Big 12, you're like splitting hairs. Everybody looks the same. So... You know, the fact that the Big East has two elite programs really running away with it, I think, I don't mean to run away with the conference, but like looking great nationally, I think elevates the appeal of the conference. And I also just think, I know they aren't supposed to take into consideration like past performance, but the reputation that the league has built, it stands on its own. And I think that helps. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm glad UConn is doing a thing. Um I remember we lost to Florida and they wind up going back to back and it, it's hard. It's hard to do, to go back to back, win back to back championships, let alone in any sport, college basketball is it, tough to do. And right now I feel like UConn, they, they could have a chance. I just feel like they haven't lost a step from last year. And I, I think they still, they have a chance. And, and I think that's helping the big East and it's going to keep, keep the Big E strong. Marquette is Marquette is a great team as well. Good coach team. Got some great players. And I think Villanova, if if they could somehow get themselves to that third spot, then that would really help the Big East a lot, having those teams back on top like that. Yeah. And I, I think it would persuade the committee a little bit more maybe to add another yeah. team here and there. 
Yeah, I mean, that name brand recognition matters, right? I mean, I saw UConn against uh, North Carolina uh, up at the Garden with Jimmy V, and I wrote a column basically saying that UConn is terrifying because they are completely different than they were last year in terms of talent level. I mean, they're not as talented, but they might be as good, if not better, because they're deeper, they're more versatile. Um, I mean, they're they're so good right now. Stefan Castle isn't even healthy. Donovan Klingon isn't even healthy. Alex Caraban was playing with buddy tape fingers. Uh, you know, Cam Spencer had bum toes, and there they are. So I think you're right. I think they can elevate everybody else. And I, I you know, I think Gareed does need like those name brand programs, Bill and other being one, to really kind of get their act back together. It just it just helps the perception of the league. And while I know again the committee is supposed to not use those things, you're again, it's a bunch of people, human beings in a room. You can't help but think that way. Um and I do think Villanova Villanova can solve it. I mean, I, I have a story going up on the athletic tomorrow. I mean they have some X's and O's issues I think that they gotta figure out. Um, I think they were in the two, second percentile in the country for for two point attempts. They don't. I was mean, they, I know they shoot a lot of threes, but they shoot a lot of threes, and they're not making them, which seems like a bad exchange. Um, not a coach, but that seems like a bad exchange. <laughs> Take a lot and not make a lot. It is. It is. Um, and you know, I think they need to get settled with the rotation. I think a ten man rotation is like having a two quarterback system. If you have ten man rotation, you don't have a rotation. Um, but I think that's going to work itself out. I do. I think um, I think they can get there. I'm not 100% promising it, but I think they can get there. I think that UCLA game, because they shot lousy and they won, can carry you mentally, I think. Um, I think that's a big lift. Like, it's one thing when the ball's not going in, and you're like, damn it, the ball didn't go in, and that's why we lost. It's another, ball didn't go in, but we still defended, and we won. I mean, you, you know, that was always Jay's exchange, right? Yeah, yeah. Offense was pretty, but I don't care if you don't defend. You're sitting down, so it's the same brand, right? I try to I try to preach that on Twitter all the time about like it doesn't matter if we making shots or not. Like we still should win the game, and we still should have like the ability to win the game. Like that's how I was taught from Coach Wright. And I think one thing I think people don't understand is like my Twitter is a it's, it's coming from a player's perspective, like a player's perspective. You know, like not a fan. So like you can't. Like they get mad at me because I choose to be like optimistic, like that's how I was as a player. Yeah, like I, <laughs> that's how I was as a player. There's no reason on Twitter, Alan. You're you're right. You're right. But you know, I, I was talking to Mike Sheridan today. He said something interesting. He was like, you know, sometimes you just gotta like let people vent, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times, like you know, they, it may sound rude. It may come off as like super negative, but like. You know, it's a good thing sometimes to let people vent. So, you know, I've learned that, especially with OC. I got to let him vent after games and things like that. So it's, it's well, been working. The opposite of, like, of anger is, like, complete and total disenfranchisement, disillusion, and disinterest. And you don't want that. You would rather your fan base be angry and passionate than disinterested, right? I mean, the alternative is you're Louisville and nobody cares, right? So at least you're in a position where the people still care. I think it's so important that people still care. I do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's Mike's right. You do have to let him vent a little bit. It's just sometimes it gets a little exhausting. Yeah. I, um, uh, go ahead, OC. Yeah. I, I, so I was uh, at Wells Fargo on Saturday night for the UCLA game. And I think, you know, you, you did a great job mentioning how, like, how much of a massive win it was, one, but two, I, I I was kind of concerned after losing three games in a row. How is this fan base going to come out 
and, and respond. And, Me too. And how is it? And and you know, obviously, I kind of had more faith in the team coming out and responding with a win more so than the fan base. I wasn't yeah. sure what to expect. But at halftime, right, Villanova was down. It was an ugly first half, low scoring. UCLA made a run toward the end to to, to go up by by multiple possessions. And you know, I'm in the I'm in like the in the line to to, to get some food and a drink at halftime. And people were calling for me like, "What are we what what are we doing out there? This is like a complete like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of performance that." I guess we're we're after we're come grown accustomed to as Villanova fans this season because we've come out beating a team like North Carolina that's probably a top ten, top fifteen team in the country, and we drop games to Drexel. So it's like, whoa, like what what are we doing? What do we expect? How is this fan base going to respond when you know when it comes to adversity? The team did not look great in the first half, but you you could tell right that that there was hunger there for support. You wanted them to go a run and that's exactly what what the Wildcats did by you know I think they went on a 17 to 4 run to, to go up uh, by double digits toward the end of that second half but you could tell that that the the positive like upswing that team that did beat North Carolina down in Atlantis was there we, we've seen it they, they, they've looked great but can you explain the, the the Jekyll and Hyde type of mentality type of vibe that we've gotten from both the team, but also the fan base? Well, the team is like, I think, again, I think it goes back to just all those those new parts trying to fit together. My my guess is they probably weren't as good as they looked necessarily in in uh, Orlando or in the Bahamas, and they're probably not as bad as they looked at Drexel. Somewhere in between is <laughs> the truth, right? Um, I also think, like, look, I mean, I remember when, we, when Alan and those guys were freshmen in the first big five game. They're all from New York. They have no idea what that stuff means to people from Philadelphia. And they might tell you, but until you you kind of breathe it, you really, I can remember you guys play at the Fletcher and it was like, I remember Jason Frazier walking in like, what in the L is happening here? <laughs> you know, like, so you don't, like, you look at like Penn, you're like, please. Meanwhile, Penn's not a bad basketball team. I went to the Penn Kentucky game. They had Kentucky like spinning in circles for a little bit. And so, you know, at St. Joe's, it is really pretty good this year. Drexel, I think that was problematic. I'm not going to. There's no Lane. way to spin. Yeah, Coach Line getting it done. No way to spin Drexel. But again, like I think that's just a lot of those those pieces coming together. Human nature, right? You see the word UCLA as your opponent, you get up. You see Drexel, you're like, and I and I know that sounds arrogant. It's just it's just who, how people are wired, and a coach can scream at him until he's purple. They have to execute it, and, and you know. And as for the fan base, look, I mean, <laughs> they've been like that. Like I said, I mean, third year, fourth year of Jay's career, we used to, every year Jay and I would meet for breakfast at what was then the Villanova Diner, no longer in existence, for breakfast to start preseason, and we would sit down and have a state of the season. We sat down that year, and I'm like, well, you're on the hot seat. Now, not with Villanova, I knew that, but like fans were like ready to fire him. He's like, yeah, you're right, I deserve. And then they went to, the, went to the Sweet 16 and everyone thought he was like a genius. So the same fans that hate Kyle Neptune today will fall in love with him tomorrow. Um, so long as he wins. That's that's the way fans are hardwired. And look, I'm a Penn State football fan and I love and hate James Franklin on a quarter-by-quarter basis. So I totally understand how that mentality comes to be. Like, it's just what we do. Yeah. I, I get a lot on Twitter. A lot of people come back me and... When I when I always say, you know, I play for Coach Wright, 
We went to two NITs. We didn't get it right away. The the comeback is always, well, Coach Wright didn't take over a Final Four team the year before. And Coach Wright didn't have a good team like how Neptune had a good team. But my thing is, like, Coach Wright had, like, three pros on that team. Dante Cunningham, Kyle Lowry, Randy Foy. Like, I'm not even including myself. Like, I'm not even saying myself. So he had some really good players. And that Final Four team that Kyle Neptune took over, I mean, last time I checked, Colin was gone from that team. Jermaine was gone from that team. And, like, those guys were a big part of what went on. And just weren't helping. Exactly, to get to that Final Four. So, like, it's hard to combat them with that. But that's just how I feel about it. You know, I I feel like it's it's still the same, you know. Yeah. That's how. It is. So the, the the I think I told you this, Alan, and the line I used in my story tomorrow is when Jay Wright took over the team, right? They hadn't been out of the second round of the NCAA tournament forever. They hadn't been very good, so he had room to grow. Kyle Neptune took over the team 22 days after they went to the Final Four. He only had room to fail, at least in the eyes of the public. There's nowhere for him to go but down. And look, the team he got last year with with Justin being injured, with Cam Whitmore being injured, was small. I don't know if Jay would have squeezed more out of that lemon, to be honest with you. Um, just because you go to the Final Four one year doesn't give you the birthright to go back the next year, which is why, back to your point about Florida, why we don't see multiple back-to-back champions and all of that. Um, Kyle inherited a really good program with a really strong culture. I don't see signs of that being broken. I don't. I don't see signs of players who are jerks. I don't see signs of players who are infighting on the bench. I don't see signs of coaches who are not respecting one another's decision when that starts to go you got a problem that's not that's not happening that's not at all happening they just aren't winning 31 games right now because yeah. nobody does and so you know i get the point that you know jay took over a different program he also took over a different program in a completely different era he wasn't dealing with the transfer portal wasn't dealing with the nil people wonder why he retired Think about those two things and think about why he's doing TV right now. Um, you know, there's reasons. So it's a completely different thing. And I'm not saying like if Kyle goes, you know, I don't know, 16 and 17 this year and 14 and 15 next year that he should be in trouble. I, I get it. At some point you got to deliver, but I'm not sure we're there yet. I think people need to calm down, I guess, to quote my friend Taylor Swift. You need to calm down. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think like, at, at least you got to give him like at least three years. Like you got to give him at least three years. And like, there's still guys from coach Wright's recruiting and like, that's still on that team right now, yeah. you know? So he like, let him get his recruiting class in and like have his own guys in there. And like, let's see, let's see how it goes. But for me, I said it after the first game and I continue to, to feel this way. Now Villanova's biggest problem this year is going to be figuring out them rotations. Figuring out them rotations. Too many people. Yep. Like, you got guys like, you got a guy like Brendan Housen. Like, he can shoot lights out. Like, you got to find, you got to be able to find some minutes for him. Like, he can't be on the bench, like, shooting that good, you know? Then you got Hakeem Hart, his emergence. He's playing well. Um, 
Then you got Justin Moore when he gets back. Eric Dixon, he's playing well. Then I feel like I love Lance Ware. I would love to see him get incorporated more into uh into the rotation. And speaking of Lance Ware, let's go back to the uh, Kansas State game. And everybody's talking about that switch. Like, that was a good switch. That was mm-hmm. a good switch. And I can't remember the guy from Kansas State hit a step back three-pointer over a seven-footer. Like, that was – that was. I'm not mad at you, Lance. I'm not mad at you for that at all. Anybody – I look Perry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I look Perry. I'm not mad at you at all for that. But, uh, yeah, it's just finding out the rotations. And if you're going to go a deep rotation like that, I feel like, like you said, if you're going to go 9-10, I'm, I'm almost want to say, like, you got to kind of change up styles if you're going to do that. Because I feel like one one team, like, you could put Longino in there with, like, the transfers, and, like, these dudes can, like, play up and down. Um, not always trying to get inside to Eric, but, like, these guys is making their own plays. But then when you got, like, Justin and Eric in the game, the game gets so slow. Um, Justin is posting up most of the time. Yeah. Um, E is posting up. So I, I feel like the game is a lot slowed down when uh when Justin's in the game as opposed to like when Longino or like like Mark is running the show. Yeah, and I think well, I think that's part of the thing is like the so the personnel situation, you take transfers, right? You take guys that are good players and you hope you can make them fit, but Villanova has a very unique style, right? And not everybody is a post-up guard. Most people are not, right? Could you imagine right. if I was playing and we was and we was posting up like that? Me, no, Kyle could. Lowry, Kyle Lowry posting people Kyle up. Could. Yeah, yeah, Kyle, Kyle probably could. Kyle could. Yeah. Kyle is stubborn. Um, but you know, I I just like so you get guys in there like that's not how TJ Bomba plays, right? So so you have to figure out like like what you're saying stylistically like what meshes with who like mark armstrong wants to get up and down which is not a bad thing but like that's not traditionally how villanova plays so it's like a square peg round hole thing like something's gonna have to like do you adjust to mark armstrong or does mark armstrong adjust to you and if you're not if he's not gonna adjust to you because he, he literally can't then you have to figure out the pieces that work together to play a little differently than what we're used to seeing with Villanova. And I think that's what they got to work out. Like, you know, I think the, the challenge of the portal is you want to bring in good people, good citizens who fit in with your culture, but you also need good basketball players, period. And then you need good basketball players who fit in with your style. And that's like a unicorn. Like, those are hard to find that like, check all those boxes. So when you, you get two out of three, how do you figure that out? And I don't think I don't think you can figure it out until you play a few games and look at it. I mean, because it's it's one thing to do it in, in practice against your own dudes. It's another one to like look at the game film and be like, all right, let's let's figure this out. And I think I think that's what they got to man. I think that's what they have to like. You're saying with that rotation, they got to figure out how it's going to be matched. Yeah, because especially yeah. not just offensively, defensively too. Defensively, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, more so probably even more so, like you said. I mean, offense, like, everyone, I always used to laugh because everyone is always, when Jay was coach, like, their offenses that they shoot threes, I'm like, yeah, they do, because they go in, it makes them, you think they're an offensive first team. They're not. They're not. Nobody ever believed me when I said that. I mean, it's like, they're not. And so, the defense first, and so, yeah, you really got to figure it out on defense, too. I think, well. Especially, like, for me, like, I used to take some bad shots, so 
I had to make it up on defense. Like I had, I had to. You were allowed to, right? That's the that was like the trade off. As long as you defended on the other end, you were allowed to. Not maybe all of them, but you could take a few. (laughs) I was watching our Notre Dame game from my. uh, I think it was my senior when Kyle got that tip. Uh huh. Yeah, and I I, it was the first half. I came down, took the craziest (laughs) three point shot. And I'm sitting there like, damn, I don't know how Coach Wright did sub me out after that, after <laughs> after that shot right there. But like and I have that, a high tolerance. But I had that freedom to yeah. so like if we watching film, like trust me, like seriously, we watching film and like Kyle Lowry will come down and take a quick three, like Coach Wright is pissed. He's pissed. But, but I'll come down and if I take a quick three, like it's a good shot because like we want A Ray taking those shots. But everybody couldn't Everybody just wasn't jacking up threes. Like Don everybody was an A Ray. No, 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 not not even, not even. But now everybody got that same treatment. Like you had to yeah. the treatment, right? Like yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, and Kyle did not. Yeah, so I I would like to see a little bit of that too. You know, yeah. from 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 this team, and yeah. uh, like just certain guys. Like I love Burton. I love Burton. I love him in the paint. Like I love his size in the paint. I like how he operates the paint. Bamba too, the same way. You know. Wide open three is cool. Like, take those, knock it down with confidence. But, you know, you don't need everybody out there, like, jacking up jacking up threes once the no, ball Eric gets Dixon, swung around. You know, the first couple of possessions in UCLA, I'm like, okay, Eric Dixon jacking up threes. I know he can make them, but Mick Cronin's going, yes, please, give me more of that. I'm happy. Like, you want that? Sure. That's great. That's, I know you're open, but sometimes you're open for a reason. Yeah. And you can shoot your way out the game really quick. Absolutely. Yeah. These days, you absolutely can, especially against a team like UCLA that's really good defensively. You know, that's why I think it looked pretty ugly there for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I'm being even kind. against Kansas State. Yeah, you are. You are definitely being kind. And um, with so not conference play, we mentioned is, is is over for for the Wildcats. They take two weeks off directly, then they start uh, conference play up at Creighton on December twentieth. Dana, how many wins? Is it going to take for Villanova to get? Like, are you thinking, all right, say they go 12 and 8. I'll give you a hypothetical. This will be easier. 12 and 8 in Big East play, and they win one game in the Big East. That lands them at 20 at at 20 and 13. And that's 12 and 8 record. They win one game in the Big East. They have, uh, I'm sure, a couple good wins over maybe a UConn, maybe a Marquette, and they have that Carolina win. In the, from the Bahamas in their back pocket as well. So I think that gets the Wildcats as like an 8-9 seed, which is what Joe Lunardi has them now. Uh, do you think that's something that is is possible, is likely, and would you think that would be a successful season? I mean, making the tournament at this point, yeah, I think that's what you have to, like, you got to get in. <laughs> that's that's the first yeah. goal, right? Make the tournament. That's the first yes. goal. Um, I think it, sometimes it's so hard in, in, in a bubble, in the vacuum, to kind of do those scenarios because you just, what their 20, 20 and whatever looks like compared to Michigan State in the Big Ten, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. how it happens. Like, your your season is never taken independently of everyone else's. It's a comparative thing. So, you know, there it depends on how everything else in the country goes. I think, look, I do think the credit of the Big East will have – it, it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna hurt itself in terms of credibility. I think a winning record in the Big East. I think a Big East tournament win would certainly get you in the conversation. Um, but again, it's just, it's so hard to know because you just don't know how everything else is gonna shake out. 
you know, especially, you know, the, look, I mean, the Big Ten's not very good right now. The ACC is not very good right now. Um, but they got to get 68 teams from somewhere. So, you know, yeah. it's, um, you got to figure all those things out, like kind of independently of one another, if you will. But yeah, I think, look, I mean, the first goal is just to get in the tournament. That's, that's, I know that's not really going of a standard, but you can't win in the tournament unless you, unless you get in the darn thing. So start there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned a great point earlier about how being a, a great brand name is not only important for the Big East, but also certainly helps your case when the committee is evaluating your resume. And I know absolutely. if people are saying, oh, you know, they like the mid-majors now, like, you know, a Vermont or uh, an FAU, a team that maybe didn't win their conference tournament, but it has 30 wins, something like that. Like, eh, I think they're going to lean toward the bigger brand name that, that gets the, the TV view. Right? Like, yeah, they're not they're not giving an at large to the American East over a Big East team, right? Like they're not giving two bits to the Ivy League over the Big East. It's just not. It's just like no, it's just not. It's, I mean, that's like you know, back in the day when the Valley was really good. You know, back when Missouri Valley was really really good, they had to fight to get extra. The A10 had to fight to get extra teams. So reality is reality. At some point, the Power Six are going to always get more than everybody else. They just are. Yeah, I, I just think it's funny because people just try to like not just they try to deny that fact that be, these people are uh, like you said it's human nature to recognize the brand name but they're also controlled by cbs by uh tnt tbs turner sports as the tv deal for march madness right and they want to see uh i remember i was watching town coward he was like these guys want to see villanova and georgetown in the second round why would you not put them uh, as you know a, a six seed and then a, a 10 seed in the same bracket it's all about the tv ratings the, the brands have that. I think that's a huge advantage for the Big East and for Villanova basketball speaking because they are a purely basketball conference. Uh, so I think, yeah, yeah, I think a 20-win Villanova team with a couple, you know, big-time resume-type wins, that gets you in the dance. And like you said, that's where you got to start, right? And if Kyle yeah. Neptune gets this team in, in, in into March, who knows what could happen. Maybe a Sweet 16 type of run is in the cards, but, you know, that's – Right now, you got to think that's that's satisfactory. Yeah, and I mean, and what people have to understand is losing to Drexel and Penn does not negate beating Memphis and North Carolina. Like it's not like one knocks out the other; both happen, right? Mm -hmm. So you you still remain, even though you lost to Drexel and Penn, you still remain the team that won in the Bahamas. Like it doesn't negate what you did. Um, you know, beating UCLA without Justin Moore, they consider personnel that adds extra meat on the bone for that game so there are just so many ways that this thing is is kind of dissected that people don't understand i've you know i've done the mocks with selections and stuff it's a lot more complicated than people think um and really at the end of the day it's it's about playing decent schedule which villanova has done winning a lot of those games non-conference on the road holding yourself accountable in your league hoping the rest of your league does the same and hoping that, like, you know, there aren't, like, 2,500 crazy upsets in some traditional, like, one-bid leagues that are going to, like, met. like hoping yeah. that Florida Atlantic doesn't lose in their conference tournament. I'm sorry. Right. down to. Right. I would, uh, I would love to see how this plays out this year. And uh, you brought up Justin Moore, and that's another topic. Like, with him being out right now, I feel like there's a lot of other opportunity out there for guys on the team, so... Again, rotation problems for, for for Villanova when 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 Justin comes back again, 
And I think just as a, obviously he's a big part of what Villanova does for sure. But there's a lot to say that the team won against UCLA without him in the game. Right. I, I, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I was looking at when I was looking at the story for tomorrow is like Justin and, and Eric take a lot of their shots. They just uh-huh. do, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that, but I do think that that needs to not be the case. I think they need, it needs to be a little more equitable distribution in shots taken um, for the offense to run more smoothly. And now you have to do that by default because Justin's not there. And I think that will help them in the long run. Is this still Justin's team? Yeah. You think so? Who who else is it? I'm leaning toward Dixon. I'm I'm leaning well, toward I mean, Dixon. I feel like I think I feel like they share the duties. I mean, I don't think they I think All right, yeah, I, I, I say think... I say that I say that because like Dixon has Dixon won that North Carolina game for us. Like he literally put the backpack on and had the team inside the backpack. And won that game for us. Like I haven't seen Justin Moore do that, so that's why I say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm having not been around them enough to know what's in the locker room. I think the person whose team it is is the person who the players flock to for whatever it is they flock to, right? Um, so, I mean, the way they run their offense. I mean, look, you and I both know Villanova tends to lean towards guards a little bit. For sure. Um, so. <laughs> You know, I'd be hard pressed to think that Justin isn't going to be the the head of the snake here. But I, I do think this is sort of like a a two two team two person leadership team. You know, not which is not really unusual. I mean, if you think back, that's kind of how Villanova's often operated, right? Yeah, it's never mm-hmm. been just one guy. Um, even back in your year, it wasn't. So, I think that's probably what we're looking at. Right, definitely something I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and 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 data. We we can't thank you enough because I'm sure a lot of our li- of our listeners are gonna are gonna join in on this this conversation on Twitter on on X whatever you want to call it. But I think coming from you, someone with a, a lot of experience, not just covering sports but covering this particular program in general, you have a very level headed minded approach when it, when it comes to talk about this, which uh, unfortunately a lot of people do not. Um, and it's just, it's been a lot of fun, uh, chopping up with you and, and, and talking about all, all sorts of things, Villanova and the big East and college basketball in general. So we cannot thank you enough for coming on and enjoying Alan and I. No, it was awesome. I was happy to do it. It's very fun. It's kind of cool. Feels like it's full circle here. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely appreciate it. Um, haven't seen you in a long time, Dana. Know, um, right? Good, good seeing you and definitely appreciate what you did for us when, when you was following us. The stories you wrote, uh, I enjoyed reading those and continue today. Uh, I had to get that subscription to the athletic. It's only a dollar a month. Come on. It's like a cup of, uh, less than a cup of coffee. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But um it, it definitely I appreciate you uh you coming on here and, and talking some hoops with us. Anytime I'm happy to do it. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, Dana O'Neill, everyone, senior writer from the athletic. You can catch her on X at Dana O'Neill, D-A-N-A-O-N-E-I-L, writer. Uh, So, Dana, we really appreciate your time tonight and hope to do it again soon. You bet. Anytime. Thank you. Hey, Ray, another successful guest on Rain in Three. Shout out to Dana O'Neill, someone very close to the program, close 
to Big East, the basketball pulse there, and uh, just a, a, really just a ton of fun getting to discuss uh, ball and, and everything that goes with college hoops, covering sports from her perspective. It was just an amazing guest, and we hope really that we can get her on again later on the season. Hopefully, we'll be talking about Villanova in a, a better light when it comes to basketball team. Uh, just being three games over 500 right now. What a just turn of events the last few weeks have been, area. We haven't really had the chance to dissect everything. You've did a you've done a great job covering things on your end on Twitter on X. Uh, you know, from a lot of our listeners who get a lot of their info from you. So shout out to Dana. But a Ray, I, I think we just got to put a bow on this because it's really we could kind of go off on a tangent here and talk about this team for hours. Yeah, definitely. I mean, bro, that was a tough three game losing stretch that we had. Was it three or four games? It was three games, but it, it felt longer than that, right? It felt like it was like, oh, man, I don't know if we're going to ever win again. It was because it was St. Joe's, Drexel, and Kansas State, that gut punch of a loss at Kansas State where we really thought we had the chance to win a game, not once, not twice, but several times. The Drexel lost in the Big Five Classic, and we, we finished sixth in the Big Five, A-Ray. And St. Joe's, we just got outplayed uh, on our home court at the Pavilion after unveiling the right way. So just a brutal three-game stretch. Wildcats do bounce back against UCLA at the Wells Fargo Center. It was an electric atmosphere. I was there sitting courtside, repping rain and threes with your name on the back. I love I, I love your right right on the scoreboard, man. It was it was really just a, a ton of fun to be to be down there. Uh old stomping ground type of vibe and we got it done. So A Ray, give me your thoughts, man. What 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 do you gotta say? Uh, about our talk with Dana and the state of this basketball team right now? Uh, I think our talk with Dana was great. It was great to get, uh, I like her perspective on things, on uh, how she sees see certain situations. Uh, one of the main things that stuck out to me was when she said that, you know, how like when Coach Wright came in, like how it was set up, you know, he had room to grow and this situation with Neptune and with how he's set up and coming into his coaching, like he only has room to like fail. You know what I'm saying? So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, I really, I really do kind of resonate with that and, and think there's some, there's some truth to that. You know, uh, Neptune, like you say, he's coming in, had a final four team the year before, uh, replacing Coach Wright, Hall of Fame coach. So it's a lot of pressure. So with him losing any games he lose, you know, it's going to be a lot of heat and he's going to get a lot of a lot of slack just because of the history of the program and the expectations of the program. And, like, honestly, the level that we reach um, over the few years in the last decade. So I think yeah. that was a pretty good pretty good point what she said and um I'm just happy we got that win we got a we got we got a win against UCLA and especially with Justin Moore being out um just good to to snap that losing streak and to get back get back on track because it was starting to feel a little bit like it was getting like last year a little bit like kind of those memories and like how the team was playing stagnant but that was against the big five teams that they did lose. They played terrible those games. So 
they played better against Kansas State, and then they got the dub against UCLA. So I'm happy for the team. I'm happy that we finally broke that streak, and we got Creighton next, and I'm looking forward to it. Started a Big East. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, hey, Ray, against Kansas State, I, I agree with what you said. We look, we definitely played a lot better there. We still had a, a stretch where we were shooting one of 24 from the field. Sure. You're not going to beat very many, very many teams, let alone a pretty respectable program um, like Kansas State at their building, right, in a hostile environment. That was tough. We battled through that adversity. We showed a lot of guts, I thought, coming back, tying that one up and sending it into overtime. I know we, it wasn't the result we wanted. You mentioned it. That kid, Tyler Perry, hit a tough shot, that yeah. three-pointer to, to to put them up one uh, at the end of that overtime period. And, hey, it, it was t- it was really a brutal one because it came when it did in terms of after already being on a two-game skid, that was a, an extra just gut punch to uh, the team, the fans, the coaches, you name it. And everyone was in pain that night. Um, but we answered the bell with a big-time statement win without our leader, I believe, Justin Moore. Uh, or one of two, I, I agree, uh, him and Eric are you know, the senior guys with the veteran leadership. Um, but without Justin, without our you know, so-called field general in a lot of ways. We we still looked like a team. Uh, we There were a couple stretches here and there where UCLA was hitting their shots, doing their thing, but we always had an answer. So uh, being where I was on the court right there, uh, touching the wood with, with those guys, I loved what I saw intensity-wise. I mean, this, was, this is a team that is physically imposing, that can wear people down defensively, and really has some juice when they can kind of click, right? When, when things start to click, you saw Nana and Joku with a block. Then we come down the other end, and Bamba makes a big-time play by slamming it home. Like, you, you can kind of see there are some some flashes some uh, of just pure athleticism, pure just, like, we're, take, we're ready to take over this game and, and make, make a type of momentum play to get everybody on our side. That's what this team is capable of. Uh, but it's 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 gonna take some more time. We're, I don't know if we're, we're there yet. We're we're starting to see the pieces come together at certain moments. Down in, in Atlantis, we look like a, a really a complete team. We played a lot of awesome games. We shot better than we really have the, all season. So we, we start to kind of learn from this. We take this next two week stretch off and really look at yourselves in the mirror and maybe uh, a nice deep breath. A nice, you know, breath of fresh air for these guys will really serve them well heading into the Creighton game, which is the start of Big East play on the 20th. Creighton coming off a tough loss against UNLV. They're going to be hungry and fired up. That's going to be a raucous environment there in Omaha. So we're going to have to go there with our head on fire in a lot of ways and, and just be like, hey, we got nothing to lose. Let's go play our best game. Let's be physical and see what we can do. Because I think even if we play well and lose a tight one, I think that's a great sign of, of things to come for this team uh, moving forward. And I just really think Justin being out right now is not the end of the world. I think he'll come back healthy and will kind of give this team an extra boost, similar to the way the way he did last year. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll be already in a better spot uh, versus last year uh, because I think this team is more talented and it really knows – kind of their identity a little bit more, especially defensively. But what once we kind of start to learn and, and see things kind of move together in motion, I have the utmost confidence that this team can go out and win 12, 13 games in this Big E conference 
and find their way into the into March Madness at the big dance come come March. I I, I truly believe that, A Ray. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this team definitely has that potential to to make it to the tournament um, come March. Um, just right now, like you said, you still got a lot to figure out. And I'm going to say it again. Like I always say, that was one of the biggest things for me is Villanova has to figure out their rotations. Like that's just the, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. Like we got players and we just got to figure out these rotations, what works best offensively and what works best defensively. Because we're going to need a defensive lineup, especially against a good team that we need to slow down and like, just to have a luxury to have in when you have your starters out to have in like a great defensive team that can hold it down while your your starters is out and maybe score a little bit of points so just got to figure out what that rotation is what that look like and with and with who what time of the games do you want to use them you know it's a lot that goes into it so it's going to take a little bit more time but I, I think we'll get there as, as long as we yeah. are the cliche saying, quote unquote, the best team by the end of the year, we'd be good. I hear you. I hear you. You know, we, we talked about it leading up to the season, A Ray. We wanted to see guys start to carve out some of their own individual roles a little bit in the first few games of the season. That's kind of taken a little bit longer of a period of time, more game reps, more, you know, time, minutes under their belt on the floor together whether it be, like you said, the transfers and Longino, that type of, of lineup, or a Dixon and, and more Armstrong-led lineup with guys that you know we were used to seeing out there in years past. But it's still kind of coming together. We're, we're, we got to be a little bit more patient. I understand the sense of urgency. There aren't 162 games like there are in baseball or 82 games like there are in the NBA. This is a, a 35-40 game type of, uh, type of the 40 game drill at max side of yeah. the season, so you want to see results quicker, but I really believe that, okay, if you were to tell me that we were going to have uh, three losses to big five teams, I would say, wow, all right, we're we're under 500. Wait, no, we have wins over Maryland, over Texas Tech, over Memphis, over North Carolina, and now UCLA. Those are some legit wins. We, did the, we had UCLA without our guy, Justin Moore, we have that big battle for Atlanta's championship under our belt. That kind of, I think, still is something to lean on confidence-wise for these players. And I just think this this time off is key, right? I think it's like, all right, maybe spend some time with your family, you know, get your schoolwork done, get organized, and, and just kind of take a deep breath before hit, hitting, out, hitting the road, going at Creighton in Nebraska and saying, okay, this is what we got to do. We got to start playing better, playing together. And stacking some wins eventually because we you know, we played the Paul coming up as well, a race. So that could be a nice game to, to 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 really come together offensively and drop like a ninety burger on these guys, something like that. That's what we've seen. The ball is is really kind of just out of it right now in terms of okay, where are they one to eleven in the Big East? They are eleven by a mile. They are not even close to to, to what some of these other programs are uh, this season in the Big East. So listen. No offense, we're going to say it. A-Ray, I, I appreciate your positively, your opti- optimism over the course of these last few weeks. It's been tough for everybody, uh, including myself at some points. But it, it, you got to preach patience. Uh, and I really think that this this could happen uh, sooner than we think. But also, at the same time, don't be surprised if it's like, 
okay, we play, we drop a game here or there, but then we go on a run and we win seven in a row and it's like, okay, everything is looking exactly how we expected it to, how we wanted to, and then some. And I think that this team is is more than capable of doing just that. You just got to give it some time and we'll stay on, our fingers will be on the pulse, A-Ray. We're going to follow this team like we have done up to this point, but even more so now with Big East play coming up and the holidays subsiding. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like I got a pretty good general idea of how this team is. Like, you know, one thing I noticed this year is that they tend to play down to the level of their competition, and mm-hmm. which is a bad thing. You know, you got to be able to get up for those games. Like, they have no problems getting up for the North Carolinas, Kansas States, UCLA's. So that is one transition I want to see from these guys is to be able to, like, just come out and play Villanova basketball for 40 minutes. You know, another cliche saying in the program, but it's true from the from the start of the game, you give yourself an advantage. You know, it, it, and you just got to look at it like if we start the game off great and build up a lead, you know, teams are going to go on a run and it might be able to sustain us towards the end of the game where we can win. You know, basketball is a game of possessions, you know. Like, you look at Ken Palm, you go in there, you see the amount of possessions each team has when they win and when they lose. Like, that stuff is important. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. You bring up a great point. And believe it or not, a lot of these numbers, a lot of these analytics uh, systems, they do like us in a lot of ways. And, you know, maybe more so... Uh, than than like just the eye test of being like wait what yeah. what is this Jekyll and Hyde type team that dropped a game against Drexel who's like you know a quad four type of opponent and then they go ahead and beat a, a North Carolina a Memphis a UCLA so it's we've seen both sides of the coin uh, Dana made a good point about saying like I think we're somewhere in the middle right now but certainly can get to that upper echelon uh, of competition that we really think that we can play with. Uh, when it comes to the Big East and eventually, hopefully, uh, the field of 68 when it comes to March. So, A-Ray, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I'm really looking forward to to delving in to this team more. Uh, we have some big announcements coming up. We're going to have some giveaways, some A-Ray signed merch uh, mm-hmm. for Rain and Threes. We're going to have some holiday giveaways for all you, you loyal listeners out there. So we appreciate you guys. And uh, A-Ray, what are your final thoughts? Let's get this W to start off the Big East. We need it. We need it. The fans, we need it. Because then it's going to be another venting session on Twitter. But definitely <laughs> want to get this get this dub. And really happy with how the team how the team um, responded to those losses. And just want to see more consistency from you guys. Moving forward. And I'll be all right. I'm I'm always all right. I'm always all right. But I'll be all right, all right if I if I see that stuff. Yes, sir. Consistency is key, eh, Ray. I love that, and I think that's what's going to end up happening when we start stringing together uh, wins here in the conference play. So, uh, always a, a ton of fun, my friend. Want to shout out uh, and thank Dana O'Neill. You guys can catch her on X at Dana O'Neill Writer. She does a great job for the Athletic. Uh, and overall, has just had an outstanding career as a sports fighter. So with Alan Ray, I'm your host, Mike O'Connell. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this latest edition of Rain in Threes, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah, I can't see him.